Hi everyone, David Sylvan here again, and welcome to the next installment of our UH Ventures Health Voyages podcast series. Today's guest is Chris Berry. Uh, we're going to introduce him in a second, but I do want to take this time to once again remind everyone to visit our website, ventures.uhhospitals.org. We've taken some time over the last several weeks to a ton more content to the site, recent news articles, case studies, uh, events. Uh, we showcase our, our portfolio. We've also activated a resources page which acts as our own library, if you will, of UH Ventures authored innovation handbooks and playbooks, all resources. The page will also include all of the episodes of this podcast series. It'll also include a collection of links, stories, articles, and videos we enjoy them. Uh, we use them on a regular basis. We hope you will as well. So again, look for ventures.uhhospitals.org and uh, take a snoop around. We are extremely lucky to have Chris Berry joining us today. And Chris, uh, amongst other topics, is going to discuss the upcoming Cleveland Innovation District and the overall lay of the land when it comes to tech and uh, tech solutions in Ohio. Chris is the founding president of OhioX, uh, which is Ohio's technology and innovation partnership. He's led the organization since its inception in 2019, late 2019, uh, and he's really spearheaded the growth from a standing start to over 100 members with a very broad representation. It includes Fortune 500s, uh, startups, healthcare systems, universities, and as well, of course, the tech-focused businesses that are the underpinning of, uh, of, of the topic. Together, these companies and organizations are truly working to make us, Ohio, a leading tech hub, a destination. Chris has a, a impressive past. He was the former chief of staff and director of communications at the Ohio Treasurer's Office. He managed a, a staff of 125, an $18 million budget, and that's the office that's responsible for the state treasurer's investment portfolio, their uh, pension custody portfolio, $22 billion and $224 billion respectively, as well as their debt portfolio, and of course, custodians of, uh, of revenue, state revenue, which, uh, which is roughly 60, 62 or so billion dollars. And of course, given that background, not surprisingly, Chris worked in Capitol Hill in DC. So Chris, welcome. Thanks for uh, thanks for visiting with us. Well, thanks for having me, David. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Excellent. So let's dive right into it. By virtue of the formation of Ohio X, you by definition are a, are a believer in the power of networks. What uh, give us a little bit of a sense of the Ohio X vision and perhaps some anecdotes, some some stories that will help to sort of drive the narrative since its founding in 2019. Yeah, absolutely. So to, to start Ohio X, as you mentioned in, in the intro, we're, we're a nonprofit. And so the vision and mission is working towards, as you said, building Ohio into a leading tech hub. And right now across the U.S., across the world, tech and tech companies and tech leaders and tech focused. And so you kind of mentioned we have all these different companies and organizations. And what you all do at UH Ventures is a perfect example. Tech is empowering. It's enabling. Innovation is making all these things possible. And so for us, you know, we have this really big vision of, of what Ohio can be. And it's at such an incredible time that we're at where 
we mentioned, and we'll get to things like the innovation districts and the growth of tech-focused companies. And it's just so pivotal that I think Ohio is competitive, is that we're out there talking about this because this is really, you know, this is how in a global economy, cities and states and regions compete. And so, you know, as we think about kind of the power of network, and, and you had mentioned we started in late December of 19, so we're about a year and a half old, and then immediately this pandemic hit. And so it kind of things that we were hoping to do in year one, but it also creates invaluable opportunities. And just real quickly, you know, the reason we started is not because there's a lack of tech or innovation happening in Ohio. Actually, the opposite. There's incredible work happening. What we kept finding, though, was that it was existing in silos. And so you're in Cleveland, I'm in Columbus. And Cleveland, you know, incredibly connected. People are working on things. They know what's going on. Same thing in Columbus. Th same thing in Cincinnati. But we're this really interesting state in that we're very, very spread out. But we don't have such a big population like a Florida, a Texas, or a California where our cities and regions can really just do their own thing. And so for us, we saw the opportunity to just better connect and promote what was happening across all of Ohio to raise awareness for things that are happening in Cleveland and tell that story to the rest of Ohio and really beyond. And so, you know, one kind of small anecdote that we had to shift to in this new virtual world is we did our first ever tech tour last year. It was 10 cities, 10 events, uh, and, and 10 stops. And so each week we went to a different city and we talked about what was going on in tech. And so the first one was actually in Cleveland. We had hoped to do it in person. And that's just how I think things naturally were always done. You go to a city, you talk about what's going on, you raise some awareness. But the beauty in this kind of accidental success that we found by having this virtual side to it, because we had to because of COVID, was that when we would go to Cleveland, for instance, about half the people would show up virtually from Cleveland. The other half showed up from the rest of the state and even out of state too. And we saw that repeated over the entire 10 week series. And afterwards we were like, this is better than it would have been in person because that's our whole point. We're not trying to replicate anything that's happening in one geographic spot. We just wanna tell that story and help share what's happening at university hospitals and UH Ventures with the rest of Ohio and beyond. And so that's just kind of one small little story of something that was very unexpected, something that was forced upon us like we all were because of COVID, but it actually turned out better, we think, and really just kind of, you know, kind of showcases, I think, what we hope to accomplish. Yeah, you made, a, you made lemonade out of lemons. That's a great story. <laughs> you talked about the tech tour. So that gave you a, a vantage point from the perspective of what's happening across the state. You know, when I think of Ohio, perhaps when outsiders think of Ohio, they think of a series of Rust Belt towns. But maybe from the perspective of some of the learnings from the, from the tech to give us a sense of some of the industry roots and some of the sectors that you see are, are emerging across the state, Chris? Yeah, so we'll start with where you all are, and I won't and I won't spend a lot of time because I'm sure there's a lot of northeastern Ohio folks. But it's things like healthcare, it's manufacturing, there's insurance and financial services. One of the cooler stories that I've loved following is happening not too far from where you all are at, but in Youngstown and the Mahoning Valley. And there's this really big push for electric vehicles, electric batteries. So there's Lordstown Motors, which is an electric truck manufacturer. There's also a very massive and global, globally important project between 
General Motors and LG Chem, which I believe is a South Korean company. It's a joint venture and they're making electric batteries. And so they're taking an old plant that used to produce traditional you know, cars and uh, traditional manufacturing many years ago. And now they're doing this high tech version. And that's not just important because we all know that there's this shift to electric, but GM has made a commitment to going all electric by I believe 2035. And so Ohio is going to be playing a leading role. And in Youngstown, they're not calling it the Mahoning Valley these days. It's Voltage Valley because of this electric background to it. We go to Columbus, there's this huge InsurTech hub. Insurance isn't necessarily the most exciting thing. When people think of tech, it's probably something in Silicon Valley like a Facebook or a Twitter. But insurance is one of those things that Ohio does exceptionally well. And we have a ton of really large companies and legacy institutions that have been doing insurance for a long time. Well, in Columbus, a lot of the people that have worked there have spun out and started building insure tech startups. And so one massive success story is Root Insurance which they IPO'd uh, on the NASDAQ this fall for I believe $6 billion. And so that's like one example, but we're seeing more and more over time. And let's go down to you know Dayton, for instance, they're doing a ton of stuff with Wright-Patterson Air Force Beach, which has a really big research and development component. And that's another thing where it's this traditional government military facility, but we're seeing startups that are happening. There was actually one just announced today, Oculi has a tremendous story. They're doing some stuff with radar. They just raised their series B for $55 million. That's a startup in Dayton. You just don't typically see that. And so it's just really cool to see all these different pockets that are happening. Um, Cincinnati's doing some really cool stuff with direct to consumer and e-commerce because you have consumer goods like Kroger and Procter and Gamble. And so there's all these little pockets and stories across Ohio, but to kind of bring it all together, we see a ton of synergy in things like healthcare, manufacturing, financial services, financial services, and insurance, because those are those things that have existed for a really long time here. And that's where we have a lot of people with experience and also see when they're working at big organizations, opportunities to innovate. Yeah, I, uh, I saw the, the, your post this morning on LinkedIn on Oculi, it's just fascinating. And, uh, you know, those used to be out Flyers, right, those used to be yep. the uh, the rare birds, and now increasingly we're starting to see these uh, these great success stories. And you know, we'll get to it in a second with regard to the creation of place around the innovation district. But um, you know, that's part of the the, the broader and the, you know the cunning plan, if you will. So I mentioned the the Cleveland Innovation District, and there's uh, there's been a lot of support at the state level, primarily through Jobs Ohio, to create these so-called innovation districts. Certainly not new to the border part and perhaps newer from the Ohio perspective. Give us from your standpoint, Chris, a sense of what's going on in other parts of Ohio, specifically perhaps uh, Cincinnati and Columbus, because both of those have predated the, the formalization of the, of the Cleveland Innovation District. Yeah, and I think these innovation districts are among the most exciting things happening with tech and innovation right now in our state. And really big, massive commitments. And so kudos to, to folks like yourself and leaders like yourself and at, you know people at university hospitals and others, because they're not easy things. These are incredibly, you know, the coordination and the right stakeholders at the same table and putting up time commitments, putting up money commitments, I'm sure it's really tough. But the, as you mentioned, kind of the, 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 uh, kind of glue of this is the state of Ohio led by 
uh, Governor Mike DeWine and Lieutenant Governor John Husted, who have made innovation and technology a real focal point of their administration, which is incredibly exciting. And then you have Jobs Ohio, which is the kind of quasi-economic development public-private agency that works hand-in-hand -hand with state government to attract and build companies and talent uh, and just create economic opportunities in the state. So you have that as like the statewide kind of hub to it. But what is so cool is that in Cleveland, Columbus, and Cincinnati, as you know, that all of these are local led. And so they're making them very unique in partnership with the state, but making sure that they fit the needs of the local institutions. And so in Columbus, it's Ohio State, it's Nationwide Children's Hospital. They're the ones really driving this. And Cincinnati, it's the University of Cincinnati, it's Cincinnati Children's. And so they're the ones driving it there and it makes it completely unique very, uh, very kind of on brand for what the local region is good for. And so I know they're doing stuff uh, up in Cleveland, you know, with, with university hospitals and there's a big health tech and medical component to it. That's the one kind of cool theme, I think, is that shows kind of the power of healthcare and medicine in our state is that all three of these districts, while they're unique to the local cities that they're in, they have this really strong healthcare component because that's one of those things that Ohio is just incredible at, and I, you know, I'm preaching to the choir probably, but if you put up what we have here in our state compared with really anywhere in the world, I mean, you can't go anywhere for better healthcare uh, than, than right here in Ohio. And so to see the innovation and kind of the, the future forward looking of it all, it's just, it's, it's really, really fun. Yeah, we, there's no question that we have the density. We've just got to harness that in the appropriate way to, to, uh, to help ourselves, so to speak. And, you know, Cleveland probably made its its um, its path towards the creation of its own district a little bit more complex, and that we weren't looking like the Columbus and like the Cincinnati examples at a uh, something more akin to a one-to-one -one relationship. Up here, of course, as you know, we have five anchor institutions. Yeah. A little bit more complex from a perhaps an administrative perspective, certainly more complex from a political standpoint. But there is definitely um, a willingness and a, a thoughtfulness around how our leadership, our collective leadership teams are really wanting to ensure that we are successful. And it's uh, you know, for, almost from the perspective, Chris, of if not now, when? And so, mm -hmm. you know, we've, we've got the, uh, the wind in our sails. We have the support of the state. Um, we have the support of the of the institutions, and now we've just got to begin to sort of operationalize that, and you know, give some life to to these aspirations. So, Chris, obviously, um, innovation districts, the notion not new, uh, and we think of the Kendall Squares, we think of the um, the Silicon Valleys, perhaps those are the obvious ones. But um, from your perspective and your knowledge. Where can we look to exemplars that are a little bit closer to the likes of the Cleveland or Columbus or Cincinnati? Where can we look to some best practices or insights outside of our region as we think about, uh, you know, standing up our own district? Yeah, so there's a few. Um, here in the U.S., I would say Utah and Salt Lake City, there's actually some really interesting work happening there. And a lot of it is kind of grassroots led and, and they've served a bit of an inspiration doing and building with Ohio X. They have a group called Silicon Slopes, which, you know, play on Silicon Valley, where they trying to grow their tech, their software community, um, and, and all that that can bring, you know, jobs and companies and just investment. 
And they've done a terrific job of just telling the story and kind of planting that flag and showcasing that, you know, you don't probably just like Ohio, you don't have to leave Utah in their case to go to Silicon Valley or maybe go to Seattle or New York in order to have success with tech. And so they've built this incredible just community, this incredible uh, epicenter of technology, of startups, of partnerships between the institutions and their state and kind of uh, early stage entrepreneurs. And they do some really incredible work. Uh, they, they have one big event, kind of their flagship. It's the Silicon Slopes Tech Summit. And it was actually the last one was held just before COVID started to shut everything down. And they had something like 20,000 people come to Salt Lake City for this conference. And it was part tech conference. It was part kind of like, you know, film festival. And it just had this really cool brand and vibe. But that's how you attract eyeballs. That's how you attract potential venture capitalists and people returning home. Mark Zuckerberg actually served as the keynote for it. So this was like a really well done thing. And, and that's just like one event that they held. But they do work all across the year to really engage their kind of startup and entrepreneurial community and tech community as well. Another one that I love following right now is Miami. Uh, and they have some built-in advantages with the weather and all that stuff. But their mayor, uh, in I believe it was November or December, was just on Twitter. And a venture capitalist in Silicon Valley just tweeted out, you know, just completely random, no, no, you know, nothing to it. What if we moved Silicon Valley to Miami? That was it. The mayor quote tweeted and responded, how can I help? And it has set off this amazing recruitment of tech, of entrepreneurs, of capital from places like Silicon Valley and New York City down to Miami. And he's created this tech movement for his city and region, which again, they have a lot of built-in advantages. So that's the first thing that we gotta think of and consider, but to see the amount of people that have been coming to his city and how he's embraced this tech and innovation community, it's just incredible to see. And I think that shows that while big billion dollar investments are absolutely vital and absolutely important, part of it is just telling that story and having those champions in the community, leaders like yourself, institutions like university hospitals, that can just showcase that there's incredible work that is happening here and we're welcoming, inviting and want people to move here. And so I've loved following what Miami's doing. Um, and it's just so cool to see how it's all been built and there isn't some like hundred million dollar PR campaign around it. That, and that, you know, that's not how it started. It was completely organic, completely grassroots. And he's really captured the attention of tech and innovation and startup folks that are, you know, they're moving. And that can really, that, that can change economies, that can create opportunities, create jobs. And so it's really fun to see kind of the, the, the how grassroots can play into building these tech hubs. All I heard you say, Chris, was that you know you're recommending a road trip that we we actually go and spend some time <laughs> yeah. in Miami and uh, and really understand uh, you know how they yeah, got it. <laughs> I, I think the mayor follows me on Twitter, so if if, if you know you want to go down, we we can we can do some scouting. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But you raise an interesting point. Um, it can't just all um, um, organic and natural, right? There has to be yep. leadership. There has to be some catalyzing event or catalyzing initiative. And the role of industry and the role of government are critical. I, I just don't think the, the not-for-profits and the so-called anchor institutions from an education or healthcare perspective can truly get to the appropriate endpoint without that type of support. Given your proximity to, to 
governance and leadership in, in Columbus. Are there any policies or activities, you know, obviously we've mentioned jobs are higher um, uh, writ large, but, but what else can you tell us from that perspective that could help to be this enable, enabling force for us? Yeah, and, and I'll actually, I should have added, added this before, but some of your comments about that political and the, the institution leadership, when we look across the, the world at where some of these tech hubs and innovation hubs have, have been built, a lot of it has been built by the political leadership helping lead the way and, and being 100% essential and vital to the success. So Israel and what they've built without natural resources being a young country, what they've built with their with their tech and they have a, this moniker of startup nation now. You look at like Singapore, they're becoming this uh, regional in Asia fintech hub and it's a lot of political and kind of high level leadership and investment there. Uh, places like Taiwan and South Korea and also some of the Baltic states that are, you know, don't have a lot of advantages when it comes to weather or just location or size, but they have some of their governmental leadership that are leading the way. And I think that's a perfect example of what we're now seeing in Ohio, again, with Governor Mike DeWine and Lieutenant Governor John Houston. You know, they started this, this thing called Innovate Ohio, which is a part of state government, and it's designed to help make Ohio the most entrepreneurial innovative state in the Midwest. And so that's a couple parts. It's, it is uh, working to bring innovation to state government. So when I reviewed my driver's license, I was actually able to check in online from home on an app for the first time and not have to go wait for an hour. So it cut my wait time by like 50 minutes. So like, that's like a small thing that they're doing. They're using artificial intelligence to look at all the different laws and rules and regulations that might be redundant. So that's using emerging technology in state government but they're also just being that champion and being that cheerleader for recruitment and showcasing that you can build tech here, you can be innovative here, but also, hey, come back home. If you happen to have went to high school here, maybe you went to college, but then left for a big coastal hub for five, 10, 15 years, they're spending money to recruit people back home and to come and, and work in Cleveland and Columbus and Cincinnati and other parts. And so, you know, a couple of the policies, I would say a massive one is, is workforce. Right now, Ohio's at kind of an interesting time where we're, we're going to lose a congressional seat. And it's not because we're losing population, but growing as fast as Southern and Western states. And so we're, we're already seeing the effects of our population not growing enough. And so it becomes a matter of, do tech-focused companies and organizations, do they have the workers to do some of this stuff? Can they be competitive? And so workforce is massive. There's a ton of work with credentialing. There's also a ton of stuff in K through 12. And that all has policy side to it with government and, and elected officials and policymakers. Things like DE&I, diversity, equity, inclusion. You know, If you wanna be a tech hub, you cannot have policies in place that shut off a large segment of our population and aren't welcoming and are inviting. And so some of that is just not doing dumb things, which we've seen in other states and in cities across the country. And then we have kind of talked about this, but but attraction, not just of talent, but of companies. And so in, in certain parts of Ohio, we're seeing a movement of HQ2s, so second headquarters. Here in Columbus, where I live, there's a handful of them where they started in Silicon Valley as one instance, and they brought their second headquarters to town. And maybe they started with 25 or 50 employees, but some of them are going to 100, 200, 250 employees. And it creates this pipeline between the West Coast, between the East Coast, between places like Europe and Asia Pacific, 
Uh, and so that, that has a big Jobs Ohio component to it. And then something like very specific is Third Frontier. That's kind of been the driver and the engine of a lot of our entrepreneurship and innovation efforts in the state. A lot of funding has gone to startups and groups that are doing innovative work. Well, that's coming by definition and by how it was originally designed to a close. And so there's going to be a big conversation around what's next. And is it going to stay the same? Probably not. And so it becomes, does it change a lot or does it change a little? And that's where policymakers and elected officials, I believe, have to hear from folks at UH Ventures and have to hear from startup founders about really works. You know, how is it going? How can we make this, you know, improve it to be better? Because other states, other cities, other countries are having these same conversations, and that has to be a competitive advantage for us. And that's going to be a really massive policy debate that happens over these next few months into next year um, that has really big ramifications for really this entire space. And how can an organization like OhioX help us with that last point? You know, are you able to be the tip of the spear from a, an advocacy perspective? Are we able to, to use you not just as a sounding board, but as sort of this conduit back to state government in order to um, comment upon and perhaps uh, in an appropriate manner, even influence legislation? Give us a sense for that, Chris. Yeah, absolutely. So Ohio X, we are by IRS definition, a nonprofit, but a 501c6. And the reason for that is very intentional because being a 501c6 is like a chamber of commerce. It is a trade association. And the reason for that is, as I worked in state government, as others that have helped build this and launch this, we saw a void where every sector and industry had a seat at the table, had a voice out there representing and making sure that their needs and concerns and the future of their sectors and industries had, had representation. But tech really has never had that at that same level as the other ones in, in, in Ohio. But we looked across the country and there are groups like Ohio X, again, and places like Utah and Michigan and North Carolina and Arizona and Colorado. And so it was kind of the exception that Ohio didn't have something, which when we stumbled upon it, it's like, oh, wow, that's really interesting. And so we're able to do things like we just held our tech policy summit where we brought together elected officials and leaders to start having conversations. But we can also be that tip of the spear, and we hope that we can. So our group has a public policy committee that meets every single month. We work on some of this stuff. Every month we host a tech town hall with a different elected official or policymaker to talk about this so they can hear from the community directly about what's going on in tech and innovation in Ohio. And actually, our next tech town hall is with Lydia Mahalik, who's the director of the Third Frontier program. And so the reason we make that invitation and we'll be inviting folks from the Ohio X community to join is so they can hear what, how it's going and what are the needs, what's working, maybe what's not working. So we're able to, but then being the five six that we are, we can do that advocacy. And that's since we're member directed, member driven, um, it's just a matter of us talking with folks using our public policy committee, which any member can get a part of and join in order to make sure that these conversations are being had and if we have something that the community cares about it, we can go and try to try to make some impact. Yeah, we're, we're fortunate to have you filling the void, Chris. So uh, I, I appreciate that comprehensive answer. So you host a, a very uh, popular podcast. Uh, we, we love listening in, uh, in, in, you know, in terms of that forum. Turn the tables on you. You always ask your guests certain questions. I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you your questions actually. Okay. 
So let me start with, uh, uh, give, give me a book that you read now, or a favorite book. Yeah, so a book that I, I really enjoy uh, is, is Grant by Ron Chernow, uh, about former uh, US general during Civil War and then US president. And uh, actually in Ohio tie too, uh, originally from Southwest Ohio, but just a fascinating look at a fascinating historical leader. And I, I love history and I, you mentioned I used to work in DC. So that, that type of stuff is just right up my alley. And I think there's just a lot of perspective you can get from reading historical pieces and learning about figures like, like that are just incredible. What about you, David? What, what, what's your, what, do you have one? Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned uh, something with a historical theme because I'm unwell. And uh, for me, it's a case of a little bit of forgotten history. There's a book uh, that I'm reading right now, and uh, it, the title is A Woman of No Importance. And it's the story of um, a woman by the name of Virginia Hall. She was, um, she was James Bond before there was James Bond. She was at the very, very front end of creating um, true... Um, uh, uh, the true mechanisms around uh, the, the spy machinery that helped to reactivate the French resistance during the mm -hmm. Second World War and, uh, and, and eventually, you know, made an impact with regard to German occupancy. So just fascinating to, uh, and, and in some cases depressing, to really understand how little prominence very important women have, uh, have, have been given in, in, in terms of historical context uh, for reasons. And certainly we're seeing a, 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 a tide change in that regard, perhaps not quick, certainly not quickly yeah. enough, but uh, very fascinated to read the story of, uh, of Virginia Hall. All right, let's keep going. Your favorite place in Ohio. So I went to Miami University, uh, not in Florida. And the joke is University in Ohio was a university when Florida still belonged to Spain. So uh, I'll say Oxford, Ohio. Um, it's a little out of the way. So it's, it's, you know, the joke was like the middle of a cornfield, but it's a quintessential college town. And uh, I absolutely loved it. It was the best four years of my life. And so anytime I can get for something, uh, it's, it's my, my favorite spot to go to. The Harvard of Butler County. Yes, very, <laughs> yes. very, very familiar with it. And I've actually spent time visiting with uh, 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 you're, you have a presence on a campus uh, in Luxembourg, and I've actually yep. spent some time, some time out there. Oh, I, I haven't, so <laughs> we can, I'll <laughs> add that after our Miami stop. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Um, so here are some of the sort of uh, the aspirational questions. Uh, if money were no object, Chris, what world problem would you try to solve? Uh, an easy one, but I'm not smart enough to do it, uh, is Alzheimer's. So that's something that's affected uh, my family, my grandma very specifically, um, and some others too. But uh, I wasn't born with the, the medical, so I, I I love you know biotech. I just I'm not good at it. And uh, I have two sisters that are in the healthcare field, and uh, some others in the family. I'm not good at it, but that's a that's probably the the big thing. If I had that hundred million dollar check and I could try to go tackle something, um, and uh, that's a that's a problem that needs a lot of money to to tackle. It does, and uh, you know we're seeing so much work uh, in that regard, and uh, you know we're hopeful that uh, whether it be 
therapeutics, so whether it be uh, digitally enabled, or whether it be AI or, uh, or, or ML, that we're gonna to start to make some meaningful strides there. And, and you might have already begun to ask, uh, answer the, the, the last question that you asked your guests, and that is the, if you could start a company, what would it be? Would it be in the Alzheimer's space? Yeah, it probably would. Um, either that or uh, just something like kind of fun in sports, you know, just because that's kind of the, like, it'd be cool. NFL draft was just in Cleveland if, if I could do something in, in that realm. Uh, but uh, definitely on the Alzheimer's side, but, uh, um, uh, you know, that, that, that's, that would be the big one. Yeah. Great. Well, Chris, this has been fabulous. We could probably spend another hour just double clicking <laughs> on, uh, on all of these topics and, uh, you know, we'd love to, to have you come back and visit again at some point uh, soon. So to, to those listening, again, please feel free to reach out to us directly if you have any ideas or any feedback on the podcast or questions. You can send those directly to ideas at uhhospitals.org. And again, please remember to visit our website, ventures.uhhospitals.org. Visiting with us and to our listeners, uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you, David.